Dear Pari, before we adopted you, one of the constant questions that Nana and I had was how will we tell you about your adoption and when. We also wondered about the day when you may decide to search for your biological parents. We read up, researched and got comfortable with the idea of disclosure. We aren't going to wait till you're 15 or 18 to tell you this truth. We feel there is no shame to adoption and you will feel none from us and hopefully from your peers too. We will try to answer all your questions with utmost honesty and we only hope, come what may, you know we are there for you. Welcome to Dear Pari, a groundbreaking podcast series presenting facts, bursting myths and tackling stigma around adoption. It will bring to you varied viewpoints from adoptees, parents, adoption experts and government officials. This podcast is being brought to you by Suno India, a podcast platform for issues that matter. Hi, this is Priya. And this is Rakesh, your host of Dear Pari. This episode deals with the one topic that leaves many parents nervous and anxious, the how-to of disclosure. We continue our discussion with Varsha Swami, an adoption counsellor and adoptee herself, and Saras Bhaskar, a well-known adoption counsellor from Chennai. You will also hear from Supriya, a single mother, on how she disclosed to her young daughter. One common misconception that many people have, especially extended family and friends, is that a child should not be told about their adoption until they are of a certain age. Others believe that it shouldn't be revealed at all. Let me tell you a story. Growing up, I had found out that one of my closest friends was adopted. And I found out about this through another common friend. And for the longest time, all of us around her knew this, but she didn't. Many years later, she chose to isolate herself from all of us. I presume it is because she found out she was adopted just before she was married. And I'm sure she felt a range of things, from betrayal to confusion. I think of her often these days and wonder how different things would have been if she had known about it. This definitely influenced our decision to be honest about Paris' adoption. We acknowledge that the stigma is still there, but there is hope too. Despite reluctance and discomfort around the topic, some parents have chosen to inform their children. Many a times, parents reveal to their children using books, movies or other tools in an age-appropriate manner. Some may choose to tell their child very young. In some cases, the child may ask questions like any other child on where they came from. All these are good conduits to start a conversation about their adoption. We asked Varsha about what parents need to do and keep in mind when answering questions about their child's adoption story. I specifically want to address five areas with respect to this question because I think all five together are, I think each one is equally important and I think all five together can definitely help parents when it comes to answering questions and talking to their child about anything related to their adoption. The first is forming an open environment so that the child can feel comfortable to come and ask anything to their parents. And one of the biggest ways that a parent can do that is by 
using non-judgmental responses. It could be in non-verbal forms by, you know, if, if their shoulders are shrugged and their arms are crossed and they have a frown on their face or they have a, a big, you know, question mark or a big like, oh, like they're shocked when they hear what their child is asking, that automatically sends a signal to the child that my parent is uncomfortable, my parent is, you know, unhappy or, you know, whatever. And children are so in tune with these feelings and these emotions that they immediately decide to shut off because children are, they're so beautiful in that way. They want to protect their parent and they want to make sure that their parents are not feeling hurt in any way, that they stop asking questions. They stop bringing things up and they keep it within themselves. It's very important for them, for parents to recognize that their responses need to be non-judgmental. The second thing that I recommend parents do is if you don't know an answer to something your child is saying, you can you can buy time or honestly tell them, hey, let me figure it out because I want to get this answer to you. And it's so important to be honest with them and it's so important to give them the right information. So if you don't know, read. Please read up about it or join forums where people can provide you the resources that you need to be able to answer your child's questions. The third thing is to ask open-ended questions. One, to be able to find out what the child is going through so that because if you assume and just keep talking or lecturing or asking closed-ended questions um, to give more information, a closed-ended question is something that ends with the answer of maybe one word like a yes or a no. An open-ended question is how do you feel? So that way the child has to open up and answer the question so that you get more information to be able to help them. The second reason it's important to ask these open-ended questions is to find out what do you need? What can I help you with? How are you, um, you're, how are you dealing with this? And of course, according to the age of the child, it has to be age appropriate. So you would handle a four-year-old differently than you would handle a 10-year-old differently than you would handle an 18-year-old. The difficulty is not only on the child. Parents, adoptive parents go through so much. They go through their own insecurities, their own questions, their own difficulties, their own, you know, anything and everything. And if it is, if they are a couple, if it is two people who have adopted, I think it's very important for them to vent to each other, lean on each other and you and be able to share with each other and protect the child from anything that you're going through. Um, because again, like I mentioned in the beginning, the child is going to immediately clam up and stop talking to you in the name of protecting you. And I personally and professionally feel that it is very important for the parent to protect the child in that instance and to use either a partner or you know, maybe even your parents or a close friend who can help you or a therapist who can help you with what you're going through and not put that on the child. And the last thing that I would like to think, you know, suggest that parents do is to educate extended family members um, on adoption inclusion, adoption culture and adoption language. Apart from just, you know, one parent who's adopted or two parents who have adopted or maybe they have a, a nuclear family that also includes siblings of various forms. Um, the extended family plays a very big role in forming that identity, forming that inclusion that the adoptive child needs and deserves. 
And so I think that parents can, you know, they can assume that the extended family would automatically do their own reading or automatically know how to deal with these various aspects. So I think apart from what they talk about directly with their child, they can indirectly also help by educating the extended family members. Another concern that many parents have is if their child's decision to begin a search for their biological roots is a form of rejection. Varsha says that this is not the case at all and if anything it only points out towards a secure attachment the parents and the child have formed. More than anything it screams about the secure attachment or the insecure attachment that the child has with their adoptive parents. In many cases you will find that if it is an insecure attachment what happens is because of the insecurity that the adoptive parent has I'm not saying that it is wrong I'll also put that forward it is not wrong to be insecure because when you love someone so much you might be scared that what if they get hurt what if they um, don't find what they're looking for what if they find what they're looking for and realize that I'm not enough what if they want to leave me and go you know back to their biological parents once they found them and these are really really difficult things to deal with so the the insecurity is probably you can almost use the word justified uh however just because you have an insecurity doesn't mean you just live with it you need to figure out how to turn that insecure attachment or insecure feeling into a secure attachment so that you provide that comfortable environment for your child to be able to share with you what they're going through how they feel what questions they have what feelings they have towards their biological family and if they choose to go for the search it is because there is a part of them that they um want to explore further it could be a part that helps them with their identity it could be a part that helps them fix a little puzzle piece that's been missing ultimately what i'm saying is whatever it's trying to help the child fix it might be completely to do with the child or the biological parents and not necessarily a reflection on something that you are not providing them as adoptive parents it could be that they are completely happy with you completely secure with you but there's still something they just have to do in their life and i honestly feel that the more adoptive parents learn how to be on board with that the more smooth um the process would be for for everybody involved we spoke to supriya devarakonda a business analyst and a mother of 6 year old daughter on this topic After she adopted Supriya joined online groups to discuss and understand certain aspects of adoption like many of us parents do It was in one of these groups that she says she first heard and participated in discussions linked to disclosure She understood the importance of naturalizing the word adoption she says from one of these discussions 2 years ago she told her daughter that she was adopted Word naturalization means a lot So I was very open about it but I was not very specific about her when she was around 4 um i decided to explicitly tell her so the way i told her was i waved it into a story a family story so i had four stories one was my dad the second was my mom the third was me and the fourth one was her she got a lot of questions so she did ask me once and my bought from your tummy then i said no so what i realized is in those questions is you need to be as factual and calm as possible 
Supriya also says that the insecurity among parents is often the main cause for not wanting to disclose. There are many things from where the reluctance stems from. The first thing being it's a child. How will a child understand such a big reality? The second thing is primarily the insecurities that creep in. The insecurity about losing your child. Insecurity about the child not accepting you. Insecurity about not being able to support the child when the child breaks down. She strongly believes it's adoptee's right to know the truth of their adoption and parents' responsibility to be there for them at all costs. To be honest, even I was nervous about it. I was very anxious about it. When I disclosed it to her, lot of people said, "Why you did this so early on?" And I was looking for signs because yes, it took a lot of time for her to accept it. it it still she has a lot of burning questions around it um so much so that she wanted to go back from where i brought her and she wanted to see the place but one day i don't know i was just thinking through philosophically and i just thought to myself that why am i being scared of something which has not yet happened and there's nothing that i can do about it that's a part of her past to which she is entitled as a person an independent person to know the truth about and who am i to hide it from her or lie about it and when the time comes i will be there to support her and make her achieve the peace that she should get whatever be the decision she makes during our conversation with saros basko We learned that the sooner a child is informed about their adoption the better it is for them. In cases where children have been adopted at an older age, Saras advises that parents seek professional help. She gives us insight into the kind of cases that come to her. Currently I'm offering services to a girl who was adopted when she was 3 years old and the parents chose not to uh, chose to reveal to her only last year she's now 16 years old and they revealed to her on her 15th birthday i think and uh, life has become a hell for all of them since then until then the child knew that her parents are much older compared to her age but when it was confirmed by the parents it's almost like you know why did you remove me from the place where i was in um i would have been happier there you know here i don't resemble you and you are from south india i am not from south you know all those coming to know about it now has caused a lot of trauma it's like an identity crisis you know and that is a crucial age when the individuality and the identity develops for uh, children uh in their teenage years and uh, unfortunately the parents chose uh, the wrong time to reveal i believe currently the teenager is undergoing counseling with saras and is on anti anxiety medicines we asked her if there was an ideal time to disclose the research findings in the past and current have pointed towards telling it right from day one whether it is a 3 month old baby or a 3 year old baby because the fundamental connection between parent and the child is love and trust 
Now, if the trust needs to be strengthened, the child would rather hear it from the parent rather from outsiders. In that sense, telling it from day one. As a psychologist, I uh, have been encouraging parents to tell the child right from day one, age appropriately. In the story form, question and answer form, when they ask questions, you don't volunteer information, but don't shut them up when they ask questions. Spend that time, invest that time, because those are the ones that are going to strengthen the trust factor. She also told us about another case she's handling where the parents are taking her help in deciding how and when to tell the child. We asked her how parents who are yet to reveal should do it, especially if the child is a teenager. I have another set of parents who, who have come to me and their daughter is about 16 years old. They are going through the teenage tantrums and they have not revealed to her and so they wanted to know if they can reveal now. So they were very confused and uh, we had to sit down and discuss about it and first choose a time that is not going to have an impact and we decided maybe during summer vacation because there's nothing to focus on academic performance at that time and not having to face the peers because with the trauma trauma and then knowing it and then going to school and meeting friends you know so we kind of chose summer vacation as the time uh, we all understood that the child is more comfortable with the father so we decided it will be the father who will be sharing the news what happened uh, in in their case she had some menstrual cycle problem they had taken to a gynecologist and the gynecologist was asking details about the mother and the mother was getting uncomfortable because there is no genetic coding there. So she just answered all the questions and then when she came out she said not necessarily you'll have the same thing that I will have. So I said this is the time you choose to tell the child you know when it is a natural process when the child is asking these questions you know what this is something that we, we have been waiting to talk to you speak to you about and you can let the child open up an avenue and then you jump into it and it has to be done in a very very gentle way sensitive sensible and gentle way couples have come to me and they said we have not told we have not told and now she is of marriageable age and we want to we are seeking alliances and um, shall we go ahead and reveal to the uh, you know prospective proposals and that's when I said you don't reveal to the prospective proposals first you reveal to your child first and then to the prospective proposals we understand that for many disclosure is a big mountain to climb and not many even adopt because of this fear others simply choose to hide it forever we believe that it is important to think from the perspective of our children and be empathetic like Varsha said, creating an environment of trust and love and being supportive to the kid is what parents can do best. The last thing you want is for them to find out accidentally. And it is only natural that some children will be curious to know their story. But what if you and your child never find those answers? What if closure is not as you expected it to be? These are questions that are always at the back of our minds. India follows closed adoption systems, which means there is absolutely no information for adopted families about biological families and vice versa. The new CARA adoption guidelines claims that if and when the adoptee wants to search, then they will assist. But we all know that ground reality is far from that. With paperwork yet to be digitized and files not even properly maintained, 
I wonder if my daughter and many like her will ever get the answers they rightfully deserve. In a country and a system which is still flawed, where trafficking is rampant, what then is the role of parents like us who choose to adopt? Do we question a flawed system or do we simply accept it for what it is? Highly parent-centric and one which commodifies children. We discuss this and more in our next episode, Flipping the Coin. In September, Suno India organized a flash fiction writing contest. We invited submissions on the themes of patience, revelation and rebirth as part of this contest. Our jury included Deepa Balsava, an award-winning children's author and Sumitra Raghavan, lead content development at Flinto Box. You will now hear the second winning entry, Mukti, written by Sara Siddiqui, read by Sumitra Raghavan. You can also read the story on our website. Mukti Kamala has been through labor's fight time before. But the pain is still unforgiving, shaking and splitting her body. The village lady doctor, Dr. Ni, fans Kamala's face with a tattered pankha in the tiny two-room hospital in Bihar and asks the nurse to boil some water. The nurse sets an aluminium pot on the kerosene stove in the corner of the room. The heat of the stove adds degree to the oven-hot June afternoon. The nurse wipes her brow and sits down on the floor, which feels cool after the phenyl water mop. Dr. Ni makes sure that the floor of the hospital is always mopped clean. She dresses up in the clean saris and goes knocking at each door in the village to vaccinate the children and to teach them to wash their hands properly. Hey Bhagavan, listen to me, Kamala prays between contractions. The pain feels more than what she had experienced before. Has her body forgotten? But she doesn't let her screams out because her daughters are waiting outside. The strings of amulets from the fakirs and pundits bite into her neck and arms. The bitter taste of the guaranteed baby boy portion that she drank every morning lingers on her tongue. The sacred ashes from the temple smeared on her forehead run down her face with a sweat. The angry accusatory faces of her husband and mother-in-law after each delivery swim before her eyes. They hadn't even looked at her girls' faces right after their birth. Kamala could not disappoint them again. They needed a male heir for their family's name. There were no other valuables to be inherited. Some faith, some prayer, please work. Dr. Ni had delivered all of Kamala's five daughters. She had warned Kamala against carrying another baby. Her depleted body had no material to form more humans. Kamala had fainted twice in the last month while cooking a pile of rotis on the chula under her tin roof. Her first-born daughter, aged 13 years, had sprinkled water on her face while the other girls ran for Dr. Ni. You have to live for your daughters, Dr. Ni had told Kamala. Please stop. Kamala, as always, just looked down at her feet. Push hard. You're strong, Dr. Ni says. Kamala pushes and prays. The nurse massages her feet and says soothing words. Finally, the piercing cries of an infant who seems shocked to be out in the world. 
It's a boy, Dr. Ni shouts, her voice a decibel unknown to everyone. The nurse holds the baby up for Kamala, her hands trembling with joy. Kamala whispers thank you to Bhagwan and asks to touch the baby. Wait, there is more. Push again, Dr. Ni says. What? The nurse says. Yes, another baby. Another infant cries. It is a girl, the nurse says softly with her head hung low. Dr. Ni is silent. Tears pour from Kamala's eyes into her ears. Mukti, she shouts, now smiling and pointing to her infant girl. That's her. This daughter has brought me freedom. As independent producers, we rely a lot on you to spread the word. If you like our podcast, please take time and let your friends and family know about it. It's taken a lot of time and money to get you these episodes. If you appreciate it and have found them useful, then help us get you more such engaging and well-researched content. You can head to patreon.com slash sunoindia_in and help us produce this content from just $2 a month. If you can spare a little more there's all sorts of bonus content available along with additional benefits at the $5 and upward tiers. Your contributions will help us stay independent and bring to you unbiased and well-researched content. If you believe that knowledge is power like we do, please do consider contributing to us at patreon.com/sunoindia_in. You'll also find this link on our website. We really really appreciate your enthusiasm and support you've shown us since we've started. and we hope to able to continue to provide you with such engaging content in days and months to come and yes don't forget to share this episode on social media with the hashtag #dearpari thank you for listening to this episode of dearpari you can send in your comments or voice notes to hello at sunoindia.in also we are partnering with the logical indian to raise awareness about adoption if you would like to contribute please let us know you can reach out to sunoindia via facebook twitter or instagram We also welcome you to subscribe for free on our website sunoindia.in. Subscribers will receive the episodes as soon as they are released and will also have access to bonus tracks in the coming days. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud or any other podcasting app of your choice. We would like to thank Nikhil Rao of Indian Ocean for original music, Priyanka Kumar for artwork, Tarun Nirvan our digital lead and Kunika Balhotra our communication officer for their support. 